Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Limcooler, Extension Beef Cattle Specialist at the University of Kentucky. Through the Beef Bits Podcast, we will share current news, management tips, new research, and other issues related to beef cattle production. I'll be joined by various guests to bring different views and insights on beef cattle topics. I hope you will follow or subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast and find the information useful. Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Dare Bullock. Dare, how are you today? Doing good, Dr. Jeff. How are you? Not too bad. We got a little bit of rain here the, today, and uh, we were certainly in need of it. It was starting to get a little bit dry, and a lot of the crops that have been planted needed a little bit of rain to get it up out of the ground, or that that has been up out of the ground is at a standstill. So this ought to help the crop side of things over here. Yep, absolutely. My garden's liking it a little bit. Uh, so um, um, my crops are definitely loving the rain. <laughs> that, now that, you know, out in this country, we were starting to get some cracks in the clay, so uh, we needed it. Absolutely. The, the only downside is um, I might have made a plants got hammered with the wind the other day <laughs> and they're all laying down because I didn't have the cages up around them yet. Uh, well, that ought to teach you. Yeah, it should, right? I know it won't. Uh, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought today um, we, we'd revisit a, a topic and it's um, a little bit different twist on things. And and the reason I say that, you know, I, I started my career off in, uh, as a beef specialist at Wisconsin. And, um, you know, we had a lot of dairy influence in our beef herds, predominantly because guys were um, transitioning out of dairying and they would just take and breed some of their dairy uh, females to maybe an Angus bull or Hereford bull or even a Simital. And so there'd be a little bit of influence there. And on the other side, there were some guys that would use uh, like a half blood as a recip because of the heavy milking potential out of that half blood. But recently, there's been kind of a renewed interest in utilizing beef bulls on dairy females to produce um, kind of some progeny that we could throw into a um, beef system. So I thought we'd spend a little time today kind of talking about this. And I know you've been involved in some discussions and meetings and that that this has been uh, discussed from a genetic standpoint. So, yeah, Jeff, it, it's an important topic, and I think it's one that we don't fully appreciate a lot of times uh, in the on the beef side of things. But, uh, you know, the dairy contributes about 20% of the total beef that's uh, slaughtered in the country. And so um, that's a pretty big impact. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people say, well, yeah, that's just a bunch of cold dairy cows going in. But, but the, by far the majority of that is actually in fed steers. So uh, it's a big contributor to the beef in this country. And, and it's been fairly ignored for a long time. So, uh, yeah, the, the, there has been some progress on the genetic side in terms of seeing what we can do to, to help, you know, make a better product there. And as, you know, as we look at it, um, the, the dairy genetics on the, you know, thinking about Holstein and jerseys and 
uh, even on the maybe the simmental, but we don't we don't see much on the milking simmental no. side of things over here. No, you, you see it over there. Uh, you, you go through uh, uh, Switzerland, some of those countries, and there's a lot of milk and dairy or milk and simmentals, but but not here. And and you could, you know, when I was starting in my career, I kind of got started around the Holsteins and um, kind of carving out a niche, if you will. And uh, my predecessor, Dan Schaefer, said, you know, the, the Holsteins are here and you might as well kind of taking advantage of utilizing them. And as as we looked at them, you know, you could almost bet every time that you were going to be 80% choice or better on a load of Holsteins that you sent up. Yeah, it's another huge misconception is everybody says, well, they're dairy cattle. Well, they won't grade. And that's just the opposite. Uh, we actually see that the, the dairy breeds are extremely good at, at marbling and the, it's a lean carcass. I mean, of course, there's other issues uh, involved in feeding out and and the carcasses, but uh, but grading is not a problem. That's definitely a strong point, actually, of, of dairy into beef. And, and when you talk about lean, what, we, what we're really talking about there is they just don't have a lot of subcutaneous fat, you know, to, to reach a, a choice marbling. Those animals may only have two tenths of an inch of back fat yep. where a beef carcass may have half inch to six tenths. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now as, as you and I know, they have fat in other places, but uh, that, that's a little more apparent in terms of internal fat and all. But, um, but yeah, definitely the, that back fat over the ribeye is, is reduced significantly. And, and one of the maybe bigger challenges is they're not as heavily muscled. And so when you look at the the meat to bone ratio, the dairy animals are inferior to beef. Right. It is, and it's not just that ratio. Of course, the ratio is important, Jeff, but it's also muscle shape. Um, when, when people go and they want to eat a, a ribeye steak, they don't want it to be a narrow, long sort of a steak. They want they want that nice rounded look that they're used to from a from a beef ribeye, and so that's a you know so total beef, but also the shape, and particularly on those high price cuts like your strips and your ribeyes and things like that. That's a good point, and um, size is important as well. You know, I <laughs> I did some jersey work, and um, I sent a load of well, not a load, but a partial load of jerseys and Holsteins up, and. Um, processor told me uh, don't ever send me any of those jerseys again because it almost got a whole tractor trailer load of, of ribeyes uh, rejected because they were just too small right and that's unusual I mean often I think on the beef side of things we we tend to get them too big sometimes but um, but yeah that 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 is a concern and and you know, and that's the the thing about it. When we're thinking about putting beef on dairy to to produce a better product, there's a big difference between the Holsteins and the Jerseys. Um, and, and so it's a different bull that we would be looking for for each of those two different breed types. So we we kind of discussed a little bit here. You know, the, the Holsteins can certainly, or, or the dairy animals can certainly. Um, marble well um the tenderness generally is not an issue at all with them because they generally are harvested at a young age muscle shape may be a bit of a challenge on our straight bred dairy animals um 
So they have some pluses, but they have some minuses. And now recently, um, this renewed interest of using beef bulls on dairies popped up and I shouldn't maybe say bulls, right? It's probably more semen and artificial insemination. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're producing this um, kind of this F1 crossbred. And um, what's what's driving that, do you think? Well, the driving it is, is just what you said, Jeff. If if we don't do some things like that, then, then we don't have a very desirable carcass. So um, I, I think two big things. First is it's trying to get to the point of, of having an acceptable product. And, you know, another player, I think, and now I don't have any research or anything to back this up, but I think sex semen is playing a role in the whole thing, too, because now they can target specific dairy cows to breed to a dairy bull with heifer, you know, female semen, um, not female semen, you know what I mean, uh, to produce females. And then uh, you can breed the rest of them to an a beef bull and produce your steers that you're then going to put in the feedlot and have a better product there. So I, th I think that's probably playing a role as well. Uh, if I had to put my finger on one thing, I would agree 100% that it's the sex semen and um, we're generating more heifers um, as replacement females than we need. So now we can think about using the beef semen to get a better um, animal to, to feed out. Right. So, so in the genetic side, um, tell us a little bit about what's been happening on the beef, beef bull side of things to help with this crossbreeding into the dairy industry. All right. So what the big area is, is, is we already have EPDs for the traits that we are targeting, right? We're, we're wanting a, a bigger, better ribeye in various things. So we already have the EPDs. So how the approach has been is just to develop selection indexes that target those traits that, that uh, are either already an advantage or are lacking. Uh, on the dairy side and, and find those bulls. And so the the one, the, the indexes that are out there, Jeff, are, are kind of, uh, are targeted to breed type as well. Uh, like Angus, they have both an, an index that, that would match up an Angus bull for Jersey and one that matches up with Holstein because uh, the weighting of the importance of those traits are different depending on which breed you're going to breed those bulls to. Um, go ahead. So, so dairy, just as a reminder, tell us again what an index is. Ah, good point. Uh, an index is just trying to uh, multi trait select for, in other words, a, a group of traits simultaneously. And so, the best way to do that is put an economic weighting on each of the traits that, that is involved in the production of that animal, okay? So certainly you're going to have calving ease is probably going to need to be in there because even though we're breeding maybe to a big Holstein, if it's a heifer, we still need to make sure we have adequate calving ease. Uh, for a trait, let's say for the, the jerseys in particular, there's a huge emphasis then on ribeye size. 
uh, getting a, a large ribeye so that you put a, a, a large economic weighting on ribeye size. Uh, you don't have to put so much weighting on marbling because they already have adequate marbling. So that doesn't necessarily need a big weighting. And so, uh, and then the growth traits, I mean, because the jerseys do need a lot more on the growth side of things. And so um, those would be the traits that get targeted in a jersey index. This, the Holstein index on the other side, some of the same things, except the big problem there, too, is size in, in the other direction, too big. Um, if you used a big, framey bull, beef bull, on a Holstein, then that carcass is just going to be way too big. And so there's a, for the indexes that are developed on the Holstein side, uh, there's a, a, a downward pressure on frame size of that bull that's used uh, to try and get the frame size within order, increase the, the ribeye, uh, improve the growth in them, and that's the primary uh, makeup of, the, of that index. So, so that that selection index then um, basically allows me to look at one value to help me select bulls, right? Absolutely, and and for the most part, that's true, Jeff. As long as the as long as that index has the traits, all of the traits that are of economic importance to you, you can just select on that index. Now, let's say that that, that is a, a base, and, and these indexes, the ones that are for dairy, are terminal. So they're assuming that you're not going to keep back daughters, okay? And and that would be my recommendation as well. A lot of times people think, well, I want those females that's got that good milk. Well, most of us don't have the production system to support that that excessive milk. That's not good milk. That's excessive milk. And so these do need to be terminal crosses, in in my opinion, okay? And and, and so um, that 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 is definitely going to impact, you know, which of those indexes we choose. That's a good point. Um, you know, when, when you start looking at that, you certainly don't want a, uh, a female out there that's producing 40 to 50 pounds of milk and trying to make it on the fescue pastures. Exactly. Now so, the temptation is there a lot of times for folk, folks to want to keep those back sometimes. Oh, it's it certainly is. Um, now, now the index. Then, if we were going to use it, and um, um, how, what other way could we use other traits maybe to sort through? Let's let's just say that we had two bulls that were very similar in the index value, but um, what other traits could we maybe use to to help us sort? Right. And, and uh, you know, that's where I, I, I didn't make it to my final point on, on that last one. And that is, is if the index doesn't have a trait that's economically important to us, we have to look at it separately. OK. And so an example would be, let's say that we're going to use that bull for to breed to a group of jerseys and it's jersey heifers and, and not just typical cows, because the, the index is more targeted towards you know, a mature cow, not not heifers. And so if we're going to be breeding it to a high percentage of heifers, we would probably need to make sure we had increased calving ease direct in that bull as well. So not just rely on the index to do it, but also go in and make sure that we have the adequate level of calving ease direct. Um, outside of that, 
I, there's probably in this scenario now on beef cattle, when we talk about indexes, I could I could get a lot more in depth. But really and truly, the indexes we have for dairy, um, other than making sure you have adequate calving ease, you know, I, I don't know that there's other traits that are going to benefit as much that aren't already included in the index. So as we are looking at bulls and, and let's just say we're looking through for some Angus bulls, um, how that somebody may be tempting to look also at the beef index um, or the, the dollar uh, feedlot value. Um, discuss a little bit about why they may or may not want to do that. Well, if, if you're dealing with a breed and you don't have the option for a dairy, a beef on dairy specific index, that would be the one that you would want to look at. And, and that would be an example um Jeff, of, of where you would probably want to look, target some traits specifically. And, and that would, and for example, it's that frame size I was talking about if you were going to use, um, use it on a Holstein females. You would want to look at, at, the, at the beef terminal index, you know, that, that does emphasize the carcass traits and everything else. But you would also want to put some selection pressure on the frame size of that bull. If there's not a frame or a hip height EPD, then you have to do that uh, just on the bull's actual frame size, which isn't too bad because it is one of the most highly heritable traits we deal with. So if you buy a a moderately framed bull, you're probably going to get fairly moderately framed offspring. and then you might even want to put just a touch more emphasis, say, on ribeye area than that normal terminal index would. OK, and so those would be my two suggestions, uh, particularly on a, if you're breeding, if you're using a beef terminal index, uh, if you're breeding to Holsteins, make sure you have moderate frame size and more emphasis on ribeye area. If you're breeding to jerseys, the total focus probably needs to be on just getting as big a ribeye area EPD and growth. We need we need the growth to go in, particularly on that Jersey side as well. And and so there then, um, as we look through these um, EPD values, then um, they are being generated basically for well, but then just say an Angus, um, you know, they're being generated for all the bulls that are coming through. And um, is there any, any, how do I want to say this? Is there any way to think about the accuracy of, of maybe that index? Um, I don't think I would worry too much about accuracy, I guess. And, and the reason I say that, and I, I give the same advice when we're talking about just pure, you know, selecting for beef, the EPD or the index, it's the most current is the is the best prediction we have of the genetic potential of that bull at that time, uh, and, and so trying to weigh in both that well, this one has a, a better index value, but this one has a higher accuracy. So which one do I use? Always go with the one that's got the better index value. Now, if they're even, you know, if they both have about the same index value and one of them has better accuracy then sure, that might be where you want to go. But always base the primary decision off of which one has the, the better uh, EPD, whatever that EPD or, or index may be. That's a good, good point. 
And and so now, how long have these um, new indexes been out for the folks that are looking at crossbreeding into the dairy? Uh, I'm, I know Angus's came out about two years ago. Um, I think that was about the same time period, or maybe even a little before that Simmental and Holstein, those associations went together and, and produced an index. Uh, but still, you know, it's only been in the last couple of years. And and I suspect that um, many of the other breeds are going to jump on too. I know there's a lot of limousine that are used, you know, to cross with uh, dairy breeds. And so uh, I'm not familiar with the Limousine Association having an, an index yet for that, but they may. And if not, I wouldn't be surprised if they have one in the future. Are there any cautions that need to be considered when looking at um, using the indexes to select out bulls? Like I say, particularly on these dairy terminal indexes, I think they're really safe. I don't think there's any precautions I can come up with. Um, of course, when we get into the beef side, then we have to be a little more careful because, you know, some of those are for terminal production. Some are for replacement heifer production and, and various other options that you have. Uh, but within these dairy ones, they're, they're pretty safe. Like I say, if you're bringing to a high percentage of heifers, of course, you may need to put a little more attention on that calving ease direct. But other than that, completely safe. Now, this is this is kind of going a little different direction. But um, if if you have the opportunity or the choice to use sex semen, then you, you could um, get a hold of male uh, or semen to produce male versus um, females. What's your thoughts on using sex semen and which sex would you try to have as a goal? Yeah, on, on, particularly if you're talking about the the ones that those less producing dairy cows that I know that I don't want a replacement out of, then I'm going to put beef uh, male semen in them to, to get as many steers as I can and get as much production amount of as I can. And then I can target just that very highest group of females that I have um, and, and target them with, with the correct dairy semen that's, that's female, that's going to produce females. And, uh, and that's where I select my replacements out of. And, you know, the, one of the things we maybe glance over is the reason we would go into that lower end with male beef semen is that the the males are going to have a little higher growth rate and be a little bit more efficient. Um, there's really not much difference in the genetic aspect that the heifers would reach puberty a little bit earlier and, and that, but um, it's about a 15, 20% difference in inefficiency when we look at males uh, versus females. Yeah. And Jeff, when you're already considering that, that going with dairy versus beef, you're already giving up huge efficiencies, you know, to start with, because that, that motor that drives all that milk production, that motor is still in that steer. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a gas hungry, um, you know, it's, it's the, uh, oh, what are those, um, the big gas guzzling vehicles that we have. Uh, oh, shoot. The, yeah. the, the, the Humvees? Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's what you got. You got a you got a Humvee that's not able to produce any milk, but it's still taking all that gas. 
So now this is another thing that maybe we glance over. Folks don't really think about. Um, you've talked about this quite a bit, but hostings, a lot of them are not polled. True. And and so would that influence the breed that you might take or pick or or change your decision on bulls that you might select to breed into these hostings? See there, you try and bait me into all these politically incorrect things all the time, but but you're not. You didn't wake up quite early enough this morning. <laughs> uh, there's some breeds that are going to give you advantages from the standpoint of they're naturally polled, and if you have a naturally polled breed such as Angus, then you can breed to an Angus, and you're going to get all polled calves, right? But you can do the same thing with a Simmental bull. You just may need to make sure you have a homozygous polled Simmental bull, and you can still end up with the same result of no horned calves. So uh, with some of the breeds, it just takes a little bit more effort to make sure that you have that homozygous polled animal. But a good point, and I, I think that's something that, that is as cattle producers, we all need to be very cognizant of. If we can, if we can remove those those horns genetically, as opposed to uh, some sort of mechanical process, I think we're all in the better. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to bring that up because a lot of times, um, you know, if we're, we're well, if we're not having to to go in and and taking remove horns and that and, and horn buds on those calves. That just makes things a whole lot easier. Um, the other thing that we probably wouldn't need to emphasize as much is disposition because the Holsteins are, you know, really good on this disposition. But right. um, yeah, until they get to those, that bull stage, I mean, those bulls can cause issues, but, uh, but yeah, in terms of the steers and young animals, they get along real easy. Yeah. But, but still we, we would, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to ignore disposition on the beef side of things, but maybe just not as much emphasis on that selection for disposition as needed. Right. Um, so do you know where, where um, um, as we're moving forward on, on this, um, do you, do you think that we're going to see an increase uh, in other breeds coming up with these dairy indexes yeah i do i i think well I, it's like i say it's it's a big part of the industry and i think as as more dairy breeders you know start uh trying to utilize this and and searching for semen you know anytime there's a marketing opportunity from a seed stock producer standpoint you don't want to uh you want to be a player in the game and so um if if they say, well, so-and-so's got indexes, why can't I get that from you? Um, there's going to be pressure to get that done. I, yeah, I, I do think that we'll see see that in the future. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, too. It's um, like you said, it, you, you just try to position yourself, regardless of the breed, to be as competitive as you can in the marketplace. And this is one way to do that. Absolutely. As, as we move forward, um, thinking about this, are there any other opportunities for folks that may, on the dairy side, that may want to learn more about these indexes? Are there uh, places that you would recommend they go look for more information? Um, you know, it, it's in terms of uh, 
literature and fact sheets and things like that, Jeff, I'm, I'm not sure that, that I do have a point. I know that it does get uh, there. There have been and I've even assisted in writing some articles for popular press. Uh, so there there's you can find some popular press uh, articles out there and, and just your general Internet searches. Uh, you can find it. Uh, you know, a lot of the really good information, to be honest, they've been doing this a little bit longer over in Europe. Uh, I know like Ireland has had a one of these indexes for a while that's been very popular. And so uh, some of the information you find might come from from Europe as well. But same concept. Um, but it, it's like I said, uh, this is one of those that is pretty straightforward, and most dairy breeders are very familiar with indexes a lot more than our beef producers are because they've been using uh, indexes for, for quite a while in the dairy industry. So um, I, it's, I, I think that, that, you know, like I say, I think the, the, the level of understanding is already there, and so uh, I, I encourage them to jump in there and take advantage of a great tool. Well, that's... That's great, and and I think that um, you know nothing else. The the breed associations are going to be able to to share if, if if an individual wanted more detail on the weighting of the index and what um, variables are considered in there. If it's heavier influenced on muscling or or frame size and that, um, you know, they could they could certainly ask the breed association representative themselves and get more of that information. Right. Yeah, and. and- some of that's a little bit trade secret withheld, but uh, but usually you can at least find out what traits are emphasized in the index. You might not be able to get the exact numbers out of them, but um, but that's fair. It's uh, I think just understanding what traits are included in the index is the important part. Yep, that's a that's a good point. Well, this is I think going to be helpful for some folks to to understand a little bit more about these in indexes that are here now and um, maybe how to think about the approach on choosing bulls that they may be considering to breed to that lower uh, end on the dairy side. Are there any last closing thoughts that you would want to share when thinking about um, using these indexes? I, I don't think so specific to the indexes, Jeff. I, I mean, as, as I, have been trying to do in recent years that just uh, as a shout out to our beef seed stock producers, um, the other technology that I think they need to be considering and grasping is the genomics technology, because if they have their bulls genomically tested, then all of the EPDs and indexes that are produced are, are that much more um, risk-free. And so uh, encourage to always want to encourage uh increasing some of our uh, having genomics testing done to get these genomically enhanced EPDs. That's actually a good point and, and perhaps another good uh, topic for discussion is on another podcast is, is how that genomics test improves um, or reduces that risk uh, on those selections. So that gave me a good good point there, Dare, to follow Uh-oh. up with you on another discussion. More work for me, Jeff. Come on. That's that's right. Everybody just loves hearing you talk anyways. Uh, well, Dare, I wanted to thank you for sharing um, with us today on, on these new indexes and um, how folks, I guess I should say indices, um, and how folks uh, can use them in the dairy side. And uh, we'll, we're certainly not going to see any um, 
I mean, we're not going to see any huge increases in in this area because our our dairy industry is somewhat small, but uh, there can be some that may make it into the marketplace, and we just need to think about uh, how to manage those when we get ready to to put them moving into that finishing phase. But uh, with that, um, uh, any anything exciting been happening <laughs> lately? And well, we're um, the only other thing work related in 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 particular is uh, the trying to make some progress on our beef systems analyzer. Uh, that's our uh, software we're developing where producers can go in and answer some questions and, and get some recommendations on how to uh, maybe improve the the profitability and. Uh, up the herd. So um excited about that and the progress we're making there. Yeah, that that'll be a great tool once it um gets done and, and we can get out and start beta testing it. And I think it will have a actually it's gonna help all all of us from an educational standpoint on thinking about focusing programs and content development, but it'll also help producers on making that kind of management decisions and if you have some money to invest in change, maybe prioritizing those investments. Absolutely. Well, and, and not not all of them, even Jeff, are going to cost money. That's the good thing, too. Uh, some change is uh, just things we need to be doing a little differently that might result in, in more money coming back this way. That's a good point, Dare. That's a really good point. So have you been out to throw anything on the smoker or anything lately? I'm still going strong with my biltong making, but I haven't done any smoking lately, but it is on the near agenda. It's about time to get some brisket and on the on the smoker. We do have a holiday weekend coming up that's here, you know. That's true. That's true. And uh, that is a very strong possibility for this weekend. As <laughs> long as you don't get rained out. There you go. There you go. And it's going to be cool. I got to get my fire a little hotter, maybe. That is true. Well, I have a graduation to attend to, and uh, uh, my daughter has her graduation on Saturday. And my, I, I think we're going to try to get back. My nephew has his little get-together tonight, but um, uh, we're still waiting to see if we're going to be able to make it back there and then get back here in time to be able to have everything ready for for uh, my daughter's graduation tomorrow, it may be putting a little bit too much stress on us to drive <laughs> over there almost three hours, two and a half hours and spend a little time and two and a half hours back. It, but we'll, it is we'll that, make it work. that time of year. It is. And, you know, it, having, having one that graduated the year before and not having a graduation ceremony, it's um, it's actually nice to be able to go to one this year. Absolutely. Oh, that's that's on the personal side. It's just that we're getting a few more freedoms. That's great. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm to the point now, Dare, to be honest, I keep forgetting to grab my mask. So I've I've got to always I know it. Be, I know it. And and I never know now yeah. as you know, you hear all that about the, you know, confusion a little bit and you know, some places you can walk in without one and other places you gotta have one and but I'll take what, the freedom. I I, absolutely. It, it's better than it was, and hopefully it's going to get better in the future. Yep. Yep, I agree. 
Well, there. thanks for joining us today. This has, again, been great information, and um, uh, we'll be reaching out to you here again to, to follow up on this discussion about the genomics testing and um, reducing that risk on selection of bulls. And um, with that, uh, I want to thank you again. And this has been another episode of the Beef Bits podcast. I was joined today by Dr. Dare Bullock, one of my extension colleagues that specializes in genetics. And we hope that uh, you found the information useful and valuable. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to send it our way and we'll uh, be happy to read through it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. We hope you found it enjoyable and informative. Be sure to subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast for future episodes as well as listen to previous ones. Until next time, be safe and reach out to your county extension office for more information on beef management topics.